lot of scenario-based training in the police department. Um, and, you know, what people may not know is that, you know, we not only meet the state standards for training, we exceed them. Um, last year, we actually won uh, the first attorney general's award for, you know, an outstanding training program um, in the state of Ohio. And we do our best to put our officers in various situations through scenario-based training, and, um, but you can't predict and create, you know, situations exactly. So our officers, um, you know, they're, they're trained heavily on use of force, when you can use force, what type of force, um, a lot of, lot of training on de-escalation, um, and in our statistics really prove out, Ray, that um, through data, that the number of times we use force, if you overlay it with the number of contacts that we have in a given year, it usually comes out to less than 1% of all contacts result in the use of force. But each time our officers are, you know, put in different scenarios and, and such through, through training, we try to anticipate the, the more common type calls that they're going to be involved in so they can practice. Um, and so, you know, we, we, we focus very heavily on training in, in the Akron Police Department. With us is Akron Police Chief Steve Milet here on WAKR. Steve, I, I wouldn't be doing my job if I don't ask you this question, and it's a tough one. With the amount of gunfire at the situation with Jalen Walker, I believe it was over 40 entries into his body with the bullets that were shot at him. What is the training of officers in those precarious situations like that? So, right, each, each situation is different. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to get into, and I'm not trying to avoid the question by mm -hmm. stretch of imagination. i got to be careful with what I say because there isn't that ongoing investigation sure. by BCI. The officers have given statements. It really comes down to what the officer perceived the threat to be. Um, and if the officer perceived a threat to himself or herself, or to somebody else, by our standards in policing, you can use force to include deadly force to stop that threat. Now, again, every, and I had this conversation recently with somebody from the media, because um, we were involved in an officer-involved shooting uh, early last week, and each one has its own fact patterns, its own variables, it's, and, you know, we look at each incident on its own merits. And in this particular case, you know, the officers are going to have to, and, and I believe they have, um, at least I'm assuming this, that, um, you know, they've communicated to the investigators what threat they perceive to be present at the moment when they fired their gun. I'm not privy to that right now, and I won't be until this investigation is over. So it really puts me at a little bit of disadvantage not knowing what they saw or how they perceived it. But it comes down to, Ray, every officer is authorized to use force to include deadly force based on the actions of the individual that they're interacting with, if that makes sense. Akron Police Chief Steve Milet with us, and it does make sense to me, Steve. Thank you. Okay, how about an update on the status of the investigation? It's been a few weeks since you and I have been able to get together and talk about Do you know anything more about where we are at the status there? 
I do not. I, all I know is that it's progressing. I haven't talked to anybody from BCI, um, nor will I. Um, you know, again, I want this investigation to be very, very independent, as it, and it has been. But, Greg, while we're on the topic, I, I do want to say this, that no officer, nobody in this police department, and to include the eight officers that were involved in the shooting, wanted the outcome um, that, you know, that was the, you know, June 27th. Nobody wanted that outcome. Um, everybody loses in this. And, you know, it's it, this, this community, I believe we're getting ready and we're in the process of starting to heal officers. You know, this, is, this has impacted everybody um, to include, you know, the, the eight officers um, that were involved in the shooting. Um, you know, my heart, as I said from the beginning, my heart goes out to the Walker family, goes out to the community, goes out to our officers. Um, this, these are very, very difficult days, and like I said, nobody wanted this outcome. Nobody. Steve Milet is with us, Akron Police Chief here on WAKR. Steve, I know over the weekend in downtown there were some more protests. Did anything get out of hand with the protests? It sounds like it was handled. I don't know the whole outcome. I did talk to a couple of people who were downtown when there was uh, some cars lined up and kind of going around and around in downtown where are we with the protests in Akron? What have you seen? There was no protest down in the downtown quarter um, Friday night. That was not a protest. That was a criminal act. Um, individuals came to the downtown corridor, and um, to my knowledge, they were threatening people coming out of the baseball game and other entertainment venues downtown. Um, there was some property damage, um, and as a result, we made three arrests. And, um, but you look, Ray, and I think the mayor has been very clear on this, and I think I have as well. Mm-hmm. We welcome protests in this city. People have a constitutional right to lift their voices up, to get their hurt, anger out. Absolutely no problem. Our job is to provide people with that safe space. And we work very, very hard and professionally to try and do that. I th- what we saw, go ahead. No, I thought you were complete. Continue, Steve. Go ahead. And, and so at the, on Friday, what we saw was not a protest. We saw this, this caravan of vehicles that has been terrorizing neighborhoods and crossing the line into criminality. And as a result of their behavior, their actions, we made three arrests. I believe it was Friday night. Um, and, you know, for I, I think the charges were rioting and property destruction. I don't have it in front of me, but I know there were multiple charges for the individuals that we arrested. Well, Steve, I'm glad you put it that way because I talked to a couple of individuals who were very fearful. Uh, they were approached by yeah. this group and really had to back away, and they, they, they said they felt pretty threatened. Yeah, it's, there's no place for that, Ray, I mean, at, at all. You know, this, this tactic that this, this particular group has been using is, is not, again, a protest as we define a protest, it's to terrorize people, and they don't have a right to do that. They don't have a right to to cross the line into criminality. Um, They don't have a constitutional right to do that. And, you know, our officers are professional throughout the the, uh, interaction with them. And, um, you know, like I said, three arrests were made. 
With us is Akron Police Chief Steve Milet here on WACare. Two other items, Steve, I wanted to ask you about because it's been a while since we talked. And that's the update because I know you and the mayor have, have talked about maybe going back, researching and looking into the addition of dash cams again. Uh, talk about that thought process and what it would take maybe to get that type of technology back on the force. I'm a major proponent of, of dash cams. Absolutely. They provide another view of an incident um, that an officer may, you know, uh, engage in. Um, and it, they're, they're, they have proven themselves time and again, capturing evidence, um, information. Um, and again, it tells a part of the story that you may not have just from a body cam. They're, each one has its own pros and cons. Where we are with it, um, and I think the mayor has been very clear on it as of the council, and me, I, I support it. Um, I, I believe our officers welcome it. And uh, we are, uh, Captain McCosey priced it out, and it's going to be about $2 million a year. Um, that's the estimate right now. We're trying to see if we can't bring that number down. And the cameras that we're looking to to implement or, or the program is one on the dash and either when we launch this or eventually adding is a camera in the prisoner compartment as well so we can capture what's going on inside the, on, inside the vehicle um, I can I'm not going to bore you with personal stories but I know that uh, in South Lake Texas in just off the top of my head we captured a person in the back seat that was um, planning on harming an officer, and through that information, we were able to um, file additional charges on that person because they actually attempted to carry out their threat. So, Steve, when you're looking at that, it sounds like you're still at the infant stages, but these are some of the yeah. areas you looked at. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. We are. Okay. That's a good way of putting it, Ray. We are at the infant stages. We're, we're you know, costing it out. Um, best case, you know, we've asked, um, we've resubmitted our. Uh, ARPA grant request from the state um, that has that's gone in. We hope to hear something by the fall, and you know maybe sometime in 2023 uh, we would actually be able to get this up and running. This isn't as simple as going to Best Buy and getting a camera and, and putting it on on the officer's you know dashboard. There's there's storage issues. There's you know people to manage the program because we're going to double or triple. The, the number of uh, videos that we're going to capture and need to store and then, you know, be subject to open records and uh, freedom of information and getting that information out into the public's hand. Um, so it's not a simple thing, um, but we're moving in that direction right now. Steve, I only had one more uh, question, and I, I was away last week, so uh, pardon me if there's been an update on this, but just before I left, uh, I know you made the announcement about the badge changes with the IDs on the officers and the name coming off their breast there. And whether good or bad, I know all of us have grown used to addressing the officers by their name, but you kind of stepped in and said, hey, with what's going on, I'm going to have the names. They're going to have their ID numbers now shown to everyone. Talk about that decision and your thought process into that. Yes, right. And I thank you for the question. Um, as a result of direct threats, in-person threats that officers have received uh, over the last month, and really at the height of um, the tensions in our city, 
as well as, you know, the things that officers, um, threats that were made against officers online. Uh, we received a, a threat assessment from the FBI, which basically said that there were two legitimate groups, in their view, two credible groups, I, I should say, um, that put bounties out on our officers' heads. Um, and, you know, we, we actually had a couple of our officers experience doxing, where somebody got their name off their nameplate on their uniform, got online, found wedding pictures of the officers and, and an aerial view of their home, put their address out there. And our officers didn't sign up for that, right? I mean, that puts the, the officers' families at risk and, and just tremendous fear. And in this time period that we're living in, um, these threats are real. And, I'm, and I know um, in other parts of the country, people have carried out these threats. So in order to protect, to protect our officers and their families, it's not that we're trying to hide the identity of our officers. There's different ways that you can identify an officer. A patrol officer, for example, has a number on their badge that's unique to them. So you can get, you can get that, that number off the badge, and that would identify the officer. When an officer rolls up uh, you know, to assist a citizen or uh, during a traffic stop, there's a number on the car that is unique to that officer during that shift. Then there's body cam footage. And then if you ask the officer, hey, I want your identifier, they will give the, the individual their employee number or their, their, you know, their, their identifier number, um, which, is, again, is unique to that officer. Um, I'm in the, and this, is, this decision was not made in, in perpetuity. So at some point, at this point, we're going to go back at some point and put the nameplates back on, more than likely. But I'll tell you, Ray, there's several police departments across our country that have replaced the nameplate with their ID numbers. So in the short term, we're going to explore putting their ID number in place of their name tag. Um, and, you know, San Diego, Buffalo, New York, Albany, New York, Cleveland, in fact, several years ago, removed the officers' names and put their ID numbers because of people making threats and carrying out those threats. And we all have a duty to protect our community, all of us in this city, but we also have a duty to, to look out for and protect our officers. And, um, and this, this, this action that I've taken um, is for, solely for that reason.